Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Chris Paul out on top, spins to his left, puts up a three-pointer, Shazam! Well, four three-pointers for CP3 tonight. He has done the job, four of five from three-point range. Five o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo Show. We are here live from the Oxygen Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Happy Wednesday to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. The whole crew is here, Mitch and Eric and Gambo, myself. We're talking about a Suns win, big Suns win last night over the Golden State Warriors. Of course, fourth game of the season. I was saying that big Suns win. Like it's the fourth game of the well, season. I mean, it wasn't a no, but you're right. Like, it, I'm, not, it, it was, I'm not arguing. It was, like it was a big, big win. It was a fun game big, it was a, because it was fun and because it was intense. It wasn't who they big played. It, you know, they it, played. it didn't have any major significance in the sense of where the Suns finish in the no. standings or whether they're going to win a championship or not. It doesn't mean a hill of beans when it comes to that. But in the moment, for two and a half hours last night, make a statement. That was a hell of a way to spend two and a half hours last night watching that game, right? Yeah, because you, you get to the point where when you've had a team that's had some success and come up short to win a championship, you're like, oh, the regular season. Is a is a grind. It's like ah, I just want to get to the playoffs. I just want to get to the playoffs. I want I want to see if they can win it all. And like oh, these regular season games. It doesn't matter if you're the first seed or the second seed, the third, the fourth. Doesn't really matter. And then you get a game like last night. You're like, man, that was a fun game. It was fun. It was, that was fun. fun. It was enjoyable. It was intense. It mm. felt like a playoff game, even though it was only in October. It was great. And and it, I was going to say was we we just played Chris Paul's highlight there. That was his fourth three pointer of the night. I'm more interested in the first in the second and the third because it was very obvious in the first quarter. He yeah. was there to shoot. Two minutes right? in. Two and a half like, minutes it was, in. Like, Early on in that game, I am going to shoot the basketball from three because my coach wants me to shoot the ball more. Yeah, it was his first three-pointer came, nine minutes and 19 seconds left. So what's that, 2.41 in? Yeah. Hits a three-pointer, that makes it 8-7. Now with 5.44 left, he hit a three-pointer that forced the Warriors to take a timeout. It was part of a 13 nothing run. It made it 11 nothing the run, but it was part of a 13 nothing run. He hits a three-pointer, 5.44 left. Suns are up 20-12. to They call a timeout. Then he hits a three-pointer at the end of the first half at the buzzer. He hits a three-pointer at the end of the first half. The thing about those three pointers is that they're, they're all open. They were all like wide open looks. So teams you know, are, are teams do scouting. Okay, leave him open. Like, leave him open. He's not going to shoot. You're not going to shoot. He's got to shoot that shot to get those defenses to come out on him because you know, hey, how, how do you set a pick to free up Chris Paul if there's nobody to pick? Mm-hmm. How do you set that up? Hey, set up a screen for me. I'm screening air. There's nobody to screen. There's nobody to screen because no covering you. you. Yeah. So, you know, you want to get switches. You want to get Paul on an inferior opponent, but you can't do that if they're not going to guard him. And they're not going to guard you unless you hit open shots. So last night, hopefully, is the start of something that will allow teams to go back to guarding Chris Paul. Monty had said before the game, we need Chris to shoot the ball more. We just we need him to. He, he's, he can't keep passing up these open looks. Because we talked about this a lot yesterday, the father-time debate, whether Chris Paul was was getting old, and he still that might still very well be the answer to this question. He is getting older. He's playing. He's thirty seven years old. But to me, it was it wasn't even the percentage of shots that he was making or missing. It was the number of times he was just passing up open shots. Like he was choosing not to shoot. Yeah, he it, wasn't, take it. it wasn't the misses I was worried about. It was the times he was just passing it up. Yeah, because there had to be a reason for that. Why would a, why would a career? What would you say his career three point shoot as a catch and shoot three point shooter is forty four percent. 
I, right. 44%. Why, why is he passing that why up? Why would you pass that up when you hit that 44% of the time? Right. Why? So before the game, Monty's like, we need Chris to shoot. After the game, Monty was asked about Chris hitting four or five. It's got to be a confidence builder, but Chris doesn't need confidence. He, he's never lacking there. I think he's just really intentional about what he thinks is the right play, which is somebody else taking the shot. And Kevin Young, Book, Jake Aspard, Denise Romero, like everybody's telling Chris to shoot the ball <laughs> because he's a good shooter. And whether it's off the dribble or in catch shot environments, we just we want him to shoot because a lot of times when you turn down the shot, it throws off your, your rhythm a but bit. See, that's what I don't understand a little bit is that, okay, he's really intentional about setting up the best shot. When you're a 44% catch and shoot three-point maker in your career, how do you not know that's the best shot? What better shot is there? Well, you lose confidence. You know, I mean, what, what, it's like, no, Chris, actually, that's the best shot. You, that spot right there, wide open. That's, you're, you're not going to get a better look this possession than you standing where you are with right. that look right there. Take right. that. Why his, is he passing that up because for something his, else? Because his percentage from the elbow is like 80 something percent. His percentage on hitting that elbow jumper is so much higher than his percentage. He's going to miss a three-point shot more often than he takes it, even with an open look. He's not going to miss many elbow jumpers. Chris prefers the elbow jumper. He's going to hit it eight, eight or nine out of ten times. He's going to hit that elbow jumper. Yeah. He's going to take a wide-open three-pointer. He's going to miss it more, even at 44%. He's going to miss it more times than he makes yeah, it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And maybe everything about him is getting to that elbow jumper and getting that shot. But obviously, he needs to rethink his approach a little bit. He even admitted after the game last night. You know, learning to shoot the ball when I'm not the primary ball handler, I got to get used to that. No, I think it's something we all sort of talked about going into the season. Uh, We wanted to be uh, just harder to guard. You know, a lot of teams last year in the playoffs was trying to pick me up full court and, you know, just me being the primary ball handler. So uh, it's fun. Uh, I can actually shoot, you know what I mean, just – Majority of my career, I've always been the playmaker. So it's nice to get a few catch and shoots. It's something I got to get used to because I'm usually always creating for other guys. But uh, it's been nice to, to get some catch and shoots. And there's no doubt when we had James Jones on the show earlier and we asked him about Chris and the success he had last night, he was very clear in pointing out the long term goal of what's been going on with Chris Paul for these first few games of the season. Our goals are long term goals. Our goals are figuring out how we can be effective now and in the future. And, and I'm pretty confident as we get through the rest of the season and our guys continue to develop with this, you know, these opportunities for Mikhail and Cam and, and DA and, you know, Jock and those guys to take a heavier offensive role. I think you'll see Chris step in when he needs to. And last night was a game we needed him to do it. And he came through in a big way. In other words, not every possession can end with Chris bailing us out because he's the greatest playmaker, one of the yeah. greatest playmakers in the history of the NBA. We have to develop other options offensively because at the end of the season, when teams want to take away Chris Paul bailing us out at the end of every possession that's broken. We need other guys to step up in that moment, and we're gonna we're gonna sacrifice those moments now to develop those players now, so it'll benefit us later. 
I think that they, I think there's a combination of both because each game is going to, some games are going to dictate different things. But, you know, Chris having that game last night is kind of a, okay, can still do it. You know, can still do it. Now, we all question whether he could do it consistently. Is he going to go out there and be able to do it the next game? I'm not saying four to five is 80 percent. Chris Paul's not going to shoot 80 percent from three-point oh, range. You all no, know that. Of course I know. But we also can't have Chris go through these. You know, you don't want to see Chris go through these stretches of one for 11, one for 10, and these struggles. And then, you know, more than anything, like not shooting. Maybe last night gives him the confidence to shoot it. Maybe he realizes. What did I say? You, it's, you, can, always, you can always teach an old dog new tricks. Yes. Because that's what it seems like with Chris, with that comment that he made made like I got to learn how to do this and I'm not I've always been a facilitator I gotta you're trying to teach an old dog a new trick right here honestly I mean look I, I, I don't know if there's I can only think about this I'm thinking about this from my perspective and what what we do here on the Burns and Gambo show yeah it'd be like if one day we came in here and you were sitting in my chair and I was sitting in yours and you're the driver of the Burns and Gambo show, and I'm the what you do with the Burns and Gambo show. Get right? off the road! I would <laughs> tell everybody to get off the road. Okay, but seriously, the, like the urge to try to take over and drive the show when I'm not the driver of the show, I would have to rethink everything about being a talk show. Like I, I've done shows where I'm not the driver. I've done shows where I'm by myself and I'm talking to myself for two hours, mm. right? But I've done this now with you for so long where I'm the driver and and, and you're the... Yeah. Right? It's like marriage. You're the boss of everything and then you get married and you've got to learn. You've got to learn how to not be the boss of anything. Just you've don't tell them that. to calm the bleep down. Just right. Don't tell your spouse your whole to calm life, the bleep you're just, down. You're in charge of everything. You make your own decisions. You don't have somebody telling you where to park and how to drive. and So you don't have it. All of a sudden, then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, like, you know, you've, you've got you've to learn. You've got to readjust all of that so you understand that you're not in charge anymore. Does Chelsea listen to the show at 5.11? I don't know. Well, you Yes, you have to. It's like a message being sent. Learn, just learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. It's internal. <laughs> it is internal, and you've done a fine job of learning how to do that. Took you a while. Took me a while. Yeah. Oh, it took yeah. you. Took you. Took you a long time. Yes. Yeah. We well, I grew up in a. We used to call you Captain Caveman around here. We yeah, don't call you that yeah. anymore. You've, oh, my mom you've evolved used to, a little bit. Yeah. I never had to do my own laundry. My mom did it till I was like twenty four years old. <laughs> so my mom cleaned my room when I was twenty four years pathetic. old. Like, that is you know, so that's just pathetic. I stayed home with my mom until I was twenty four years uh, old. She yeah. cooked my meals. She made my bed for me. She, she saved she, your money for you. She saved she all took my money paycheck. for me. She yeah, took everything. Just, yeah. All of a sudden, you've got to learn how to. Wait a second, you want me to make the bed? My mom made my bed for me. Yeah, so give Chris some time. He's he's working his way through learning a different variation of his role, and it's probably going to take a while. Texas, your thoughts on Chris Paul and his son's team, the FanDuel text line. It's open for you right now at 620-620. How good is the Vikings' defense that the Cardinals are getting ready to face? Some stats to give us an idea of how they're doing. We'll give you a little snippet next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We've been playing this song all day as part of some, what promo are we running where it's attached to? The Cardinals promo. The Cardinals promo. Okay, yeah. And it's like 
so stuck in my head now. I'm like walking around the halls singing Prince's Kiss. I was walking to the studio to talk to Mitch. I'm like, I just need your extra time. It's like I'm just walking around. It's like stuck yeah. in my head now. So, and Mitch recognized that. And he Thank you. This song, so this song is awesome. This song is great. Prince is the beast. So good. God, he's so good. Miss him. Miss Prince. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Him, Whitney Houston. Was. God, Whitney Houston was so, so great. Whitney Houston movie coming out this winter. Is it really? Yeah, there uh, is. I saw a so preview good. for it. Yeah. Her and Madonna. They were like that. That music was the. the, the that was good music. Yeah. The girls uh, loved that music. Uh, uh, man, uh, I did, too. I liked I, Whitney I, Houston. Yeah, I don't know. I, it wasn't just a girl thing. I, Whitney Houston mm. tremendously talented. Yeah, but Prince is just that song. Thank you, Mitch. Now that, stuck is, that song is really just, it's like wedged in there right now. The Cardinals going to Minnesota. They're taking on the Vikings on Sunday, a 5-1 and one football team. And again, what we've started to do today, usually Tuesday, Wednesday of every week, we start to kind of really take a look at who the Cardinals have coming up and what is that makes them tick. And with the Vikings, it's a little bit different. I mean, the Cardinals just played them a year ago, but obviously they've changed head coach. And while a lot of the personnel is still the same, you look at this football team and try to figure out what makes them tick defensively. And we've kind of talked about this earlier. They're, they're, they're very buttoned up, right? They don't, there's not a lot of turnovers and there's not a lot of penalties. They really take care of the football. They play smart, kind of disciplined football in that regard. And defensively, one of the things they do that really sets them apart in this league, they force a bunch of turnovers. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible that they've what they've done. A lot of the intangibles that you look at to say, hey, here's how a team's able to win football games. The Vikings are able to do that, right? They've got 10 takeaways this year. They've got 10, five interceptions, and then I think it's five fumbles. Yeah. So they've done a really good job defensively with the takeaways. So that's a big thing. 10 takeaways, five interceptions, five fumbles over recoveries. That's tied for fifth in the NFL. So that combined with the fact that they don't turn the ball over a whole lot gives them a good, you know, plus minus. They're second best in the league behind Philadelphia. Now, the Eagles, you're only going to reason why the Eagles are so good. They're a plus 12 in the category. They've got 14 takeaways, just two giveaways. Mm-hmm. So the Vikings are second at that. The Cardinals are pretty high up because they haven't, you know, turned the ball over a Cardinals lot. Too. The third best takeaway giveaway ratio in the right. NFL. So, yeah, so you've got two teams that you got number two and number three with the takeaway giveaway ratio. I mean, honestly, that's it's so stupid to even say it, but I'll say it anyway. That's Certainly one of the keys, if not the key to the game. Minnesota loves to take the ball away, and the Cardinals have been really good about not giving it away so far. That's that's almost it in a nutshell, right? Can Kyler and the Cardinals offense avoid one of those multiple turnover type games? Because if they can, that has been a big fuel to the Vikings 5-1 and one start so far this year. Yeah, there's no question. And there's a lot more than that, too. It's not just that. You look at the penalties. They don't get penalized, Bernsey. Six penalties for 45 yards. The defense has just six penalties for 45 yards overall. So you're not getting the pass interference penalties. You're not getting the holding penalties. You're not getting the, the offsides on the defense. You're not, you're not getting any of those penalties. The late hits the, on the quarterback, roughing the passer. Six penalties for 45 yards. 
that's it. Now, overall, as a team, they've got 25 penalties, but still, that's the second lowest behind the Rams. So there's a team that's really good at the plus-minus takeaway, really good at not being penalized. What does that mean? Well, you're in your offense. You're not going to be facing those first and 20s because you got a holding penalty. You're not going to be facing the first and 15 because you got a false start penalty. They haven't had those penalties that have forced them into, you know, first, second, third, and long drives because of dumb penalties. Where they haven't been good and where the Cardinals really need to take advantage of where the Vikings haven't been good. Gold to go situations and red zone situations. The Vikings defense has been deplorable at that this year in the NFL. They're basically an open door. When you're in the red zone or when you're in a goal to goal situation, giving up red zone, you know, the percentage of touchdowns, one of the worst in the league, the percentage of touchdowns in goal to go situations, one of the worst in the NFL. That's where the Cardinals, and that's been kind of rough for the Cardinals this year, right? That hasn't always yeah. been the, the, how many last tw- game was their best? Yeah. How many 20 to 29 yard field goals have we seen this year from the car? Way too many to, for my taste. Probably three or four in the red zone last time out. I mean, the touchdowns, I, I think. think so. Yeah. I, yeah, think I mean, so. so they were able to get those touchdowns. I mean, that's you. You know, you need to convert. Listen, in a league where I mean, you said earlier, right? The Vikings have five wins this year. Every single one of them has been a one-score game. Well, no, I, I, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. I need to correct that. Was that not right? It's not. That's their four-game win streak that they're on. That has it. every okay. single one of those wins has been by one score. Okay, or less. Okay, yes. so four to five games yes. that they've won has been a one-score game. It's close games. Mm-hmm. What happens in a close game? Penalties matter. Takeaways matter. You know, the ability to get a touchdown instead of a field goal in a red zone. That stuff matters. When you're playing a close football game, it's going to be determined by one score. Yeah, because I mean, you, what we do is we look at the stats of some of these teams and we try to figure out, okay, where are the soft spots? What, what, what makes them good? What makes them bad? The Vikings are are very average. I, I mean, in the sense that there's nothing about their numbers that like really pop off the page. They're kind of middle of the road points per game. They're a little bit better in points per game allowed. Their their passing game is pretty good. Their sack rate is pretty good, but there's nothing about them that really jumps out except for the things that you mentioned. Penalties, they're remarkable. Takeaways, they're remarkable. They're, they're a very buttoned up organization in that regard. Third down defense, they're really good at that. And that's something the Cardinals have kind of struggled with so far this year. Their third down offense hasn't been good. They'll need to be better at that. We were talking about that a little bit yesterday. Yeah, it's great. The Cardinals are great on fourth down. Part of the reason why they're great on fourth down is because they suck on third down. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I mean, just being honest about it. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, we have to go for it on fourth because we didn't get the first on third. Yeah. So those are the things the Cardinals will have to focus on going up against a team that, let me look, we said this before, that fan base, man, they're one of the best in the NFL. They've got a 5 and one football team. The Cardinals haven't won there since the 70s. All right, we're talking about a long time. Cardinals will have to go in there and play one of their... That's not like two or three games. That's like 10 games. 10 games. That's 10 games that they've lost in a row in Minnesota. The last time they beat them, Jim Hart was the starting quarterback against Fran Tarkenton. It's going to be one of the toughest road environments they're going to face all year. That place loves their... It's loud there. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I expect it to be. But this is not... What did you say the point spread was? Three and a half? Three and a half. Not you know, that, you know, that That's an indicator. Look, these teams that have surprised the NFL, the Jets, the Giants, the Vikings, these teams aren't going to be... Nobody's looking at these teams saying, oh, you're going to be favored. They're so good, they're going to be favored by eight points, eight and a half points, seven points, six points. No, nobody's... T- these teams are okay. They're good. They've won five games out of six. But... 
nobody's looking at them and saying we're going to make them a touchdown favorite because they believe in them now. About three and a half point favorite against the Cardinals have a losing record. You're at home and you're five and one, and the point spread's only three and a half. What does that tell you? Yeah. Not everybody believes in the Vikings. That's And they're right to not believe in the Vikings. The Eagles just announced they're returning to the Footprint Center on March no 1st, way. 2023. Well, it's the Hotel California 2023 tour. Uh, they play the whole album beginning to end. I could just walk out there in that one song. Well, it's yeah, I think it's the first song they play, so you can just come a little late. I'll if just you come want. late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tickets go it's a great show. I saw it a couple of years ago. It's it's like really cool. Guy I comes like a lot of their other music. A guy comes out, pretends like he's starting the record, he drops the needle, and then the band plays side one of Hotel California. And then somebody else comes out, flips the album and acts like they're playing side two and then the band plays side two. It's really cool. Tickets go on sale this Friday. I highly recommend the show. It was really enjoyable. Uh tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Suns GM James Jones used a really interesting word to describe what that win last night meant for his basketball team. You'll hear what that word is next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. A lot of fun last night at Footprint Center, and for everybody who was watching, Suns beating the Warriors 134-105, to an absolute beatdown last night, granted early in the season, but a game that had an intensity that was very atypical for an early season NBA game. Those two teams were getting after it last night, and the Suns just poured it on at the end. And of course, as we do every Wednesday, we have our Suns front office show. Usually, we're talking with James Jones, the general manager. So he was on with us today. And and we just asked him point blank what that win means for the team going forward. Here's what he had to say. It, it gives us stress, right? I mean, you, you have to bring it to, to beat that team. And so you, you play with maximum effort. Um, and, and they put you on your heels to see how you respond. I thought yesterday uh, both teams, especially um, early until we got ahead pretty far, both teams threw haymakers. And, and the, other, the opponent responded. I thought it was good for us, and I thought it was good for them uh, because if we want to be the team that that we think we can be, uh, we'll have to beat beat really good teams. The, the stress thing, like it's like he said, stress, right? Yeah, stress, like stress. Yeah, because it's stress. So, like it gives us stress. Like we got it. Like okay, we got to play hard. You know, it's when you're a good team, and we saw this last year with the Suns, right? And it was one of the things that made us not many of us outside of our web department not believe that the Suns were going to win sixty something games, is because look, you came out of nowhere from the bubble to the NBA championship against Milwaukee, uh-huh. like. That next year, you had a target on your back. Like you were going to play. Everybody was going to be want, was going to want to beat you, and they still won sixty four games. No, with everybody, the teams used to play for ten years. Teams played the Suns, and it was a walk in the park. They didn't even have to try that hard. So when the Suns would win a game, you know, a lot of times you'd be like, "It's because the other team didn't play the hard. <laughs> they, they, they didn't play hard. That's why they overlooked them. They came in thinking it was going to be a cakewalk." But now, like when he says that stress, that was two teams that. I've been playing for the last few years with Golden State for a much longer time than Phoenix, but two teams that know every time we go play somewhere, it's a big game for the other team. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big game for both teams, not just for one team, but for both teams, because the Golden State Warriors, they wanted to prove something, too. You're a threat to us. 
We know you're a threat. We want to try to beat you down and show you that we're the best team. And it was a close game. It was a six-point game until Clay got tossed. And then the Suns went on a crazy run and blew the game open and ran away with it. And it was. It was uh, stress. It, it was. It, it took us by surprise when he said it a little bit because it was a, it was a, a different way of describing kind of that game last night. Yeah, it stresses you out a little bit. You know, it, that's Golden yeah. State over there, and you have to you have to be on top of your business, and you have to know you have to be prepared if you're going to compete with a team like that. Of course, you can't talk about the Suns right now without talking about Devin Booker and and the way he's playing the game right now. And certainly, James Jones, when he was with us earlier, was more than happy to talk about his. Star. The game has slowed down, and, and more importantly, he has the, the bandwidth and the capacity to play both ends of the floor at a high level. Uh, it's really taxing when you're asking a guy to score 30 points a game. Uh, sometimes his mental reserves can be tapped, but he's, he's proven that um, from a physical standpoint, uh, from an emotional standpoint, he's ready to take a larger role, and he's been doing that early in the season. Monty said after the game that it's probably the most complete player in the league right now. You and I haven't watched every game in the NBA. John Moran's playing at a crazy level. Donovan Mitchell's play. John Moran has been unreal. And so is Donovan Mitchell. But it is hard to find, like, it's hard, it's hard to believe that anybody could be playing at a better level than Devin Booker, isn't it? It is. I mean, he's shooting 53%, 54%. Right. 48% from three. He, they're like a plus 63 in the minutes that he's been out there. I mean, he has been, he's been so good that, that uh, I mean, like, for the last couple of years, it's been all about the duo, right? It's mm-hmm. been all about Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And the whole conversation has been framed around this unbelievable backcourt that the Suns have. I know it's just four games, and the narrative is going to change probably a hundred times, so I'm not saying this is set in stone. But early on, the narrative hasn't been about the two of them. It's been about him. The narrative is about Devin Booker and how to, to, he has played. To that point, when we discussed last year, when we would have like Ramona Shelburne on, and we'd be like, "What, do you, what are you going to do with your MVP vote? Is it going to go to Paul or is it going to go to Book? Like, how are you going to split? Like, they're going to they're going to cancel each other out. One guy's going to now Book ended up fourth in the MVP voting. Yes. Um, but like for a while there, oh, yeah. it was like which guy is more valuable to the Suns? Like they're both both guys are all star players. Both guys are leader like now it's like Book has elevated his game while Chris his game has slid. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of separation now. For a long time, for the first year for the first almost two years that they were together, there wasn't a whole lot of separation of them. Right. Which guy's gonna go to the All Star game? You can make an argument one or the other. Which guy should get more MVP votes? You can make an argument one or the other. Who do you want to take the shot at the end of the game? Which guy? Do you want it to be Chris? Do you want it to be Book? But now because Chris has slipped and Book has elevated his game, there is a gap. That we didn't see the first two years. I remember something you said about Book when we were doing the show a week ago today in downtown Phoenix. We were talking about the next step that Book can take in his career. And you had said the real next step he's going to take is when he doesn't have Chris anymore. Right. And he's going to have to be the guy. Right. And he's going to have to be whether he's the point guard or not. He's going to have to be the guy. It feels like four games in, he's already taken that step, even though Chris is still on the team. Fair. You know, it's fair. It feels like he's kind of already done it, even though Chris is still standing next to him in the backcourt. That Devin's, oh, but if Chris doesn't, if Chris isn't playing well or not, like not really contributing, I'm I'm fine. I could do this. Look, let's be honest, okay? Chris Paul so far has not been great. No, Cam Johnson has not been really that good. No, okay. 
DA's been fine. I've liked what I've seen he's out not, of DA. He's been, I think he's been a notch above fine. I think he's been he's been good. Yeah. You know, he's been he's been good. I think Mikel's been very Mikel. He's, yeah, he's Mikel. Mikel's Mikel. Mikel's like, Mikel. He's, uh, right. he's he's been steady Eddie so far. They're three and one. And with wins over Dallas, the Clippers, and the Warriors, and two of their starters have yeah, not underperformed well. compared to expectations. Right? Why? Devin Booker. That's why. Devin Booker. Now that's the sort of elevation to his game. And, and what you were saying a second ago, I was thinking about the MVP votes, and certainly that conversation about how there's been separation now between the two of them is more about Chris going down than it is Devin going up. I think I it's no, both, though. But but, yeah, but the, I was going to say, make no mistake, it's both. It's Devin going up, and it's and it's Chris going down. And Devin has taken this game. Now is he going to do it every night? That's the you the know great ones do. Yeah, the great ones in an 82 game season are going to be great 70, 70 games. Yeah. Okay? Like, there's a level, right? To, like, those true superstars are going to be great players in 70 out of the 80. Nobody's great in all 82 games. 70 is unbelievable. But then you get to that next level. What about a really good player? Well, he's going to do it like 50 times out of 82. Now, a good player might do it like half the time, you know, and then you get to different levels. But the true superstars are only going to have 7 to 12 games in which they just don't have it. A couple of the things from James. Um, there was the statement that Jay Crowder gave to TNT last night that was read off by Chris Haynes. Yeah. In which Jay Crowder said, look, this doesn't have anything to do with me not being a starter. All right, There's this narrative out there that this is about me not being the starter. That's not why I'm not with the Phoenix Suns. We uh, asked James today when he was on with us earlier if he has anything to add after Crowder's comments last night because Jay obviously hasn't been traded yet. No, I have nothing to add to that situation. Um, I said before when we have a resolution and we'll have a resolution. Um, last night was about, you know, uh, competing and, and trying to, to beat a good opponent at home, and we did that. And, and so we'll continue to try to figure out how we can improve as a team, and uh, that will remain our focus going forward. Yeah, and I think that right now it's there might be some frustration that they haven't been able to get to a deal. There's, there's, there's a couple of things that could be in play here. One, there really is a player that they like that's going to be, be available in about six weeks, and they'd rather just wait, and it's going to be a, a constant asking of the same question every week, and James knows it, but in six weeks, some of these players that aren't available for trade now that will be trade eligible then, maybe that's the player they like and they're going to get. The other thing is they just maybe aren't getting a good enough offer for for what they need. And so that's why you continue to hear all these different teams. What about Milwaukee? What about Cleveland? Could they get Eric Gordon? Could they get could they get Grayson Allen? Could they who are they going to get? So from that perspective, it may be like I'm going I'm, I haven't got a deal that I really like. I'm just going to wait this thing out. So this this what he's going to be gone by December. Like this isn't going to go to the trade deadline. So it's either make a deal now with what's available or wait another six weeks and then a whole list of uh, other players will become eligible to be traded. All right, when we come back on this Wednesday evening, so it turns out the Suns not re-signing JaVale McGee. Didn't hurt him in the least. That's next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Locally, nada. There's nothing on tonight. Now, when we're done here on Burns and Gambo, um, not at 6 o'clock, but at 7 o'clock, it's the Maroon Monsoon, the coach's show with Sean Aguano for ASU. They're taking on Colorado on Saturday. 
I think good news for you. That's not a nighttime game. I think I it's love like the a, uh, I love the earlier games. Fourth, yes. thirty kick. I think something. Colorado fired their coach and they ended up with uh, with a win after they fired him. ASU fired their coach and and they got a win one too. Win. <laughs> so fire far, your coach. Uh, this fire is the battle of fire your coaches and you've got one win since you fired him. <laughs> Looking for a battle. That. Looking forward to that. Uh, uh, House of the Dragons over. Did you, do you watch that, Mitch? House of the Dragon. I've it's on my to do list. And I haven't oh seen it man! Yet. So I should not tell you what happened in the final episode. Ooh, no, it was a big one. It was a big not. one. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of surprise. Not. Don't mention anything. Somebody like that. big died. Well, of course, it's, that's 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 that whole, whole thing, thing yeah. right? That's the, Sean yeah. Bean was in the cast, right? <laughs> he was. The, I tell you something. He's the actor who got whacked at the end of season one of Game of Thrones. Oh, Game of Thrones! That was great. Yeah. They're gonna bring back the Stark family next year. Like the, the that family will will come back. The North. Exciting. I'm, I'm still waiting in. on Severance Season 2. Come on, Apple. Let's oh, go. Oh, man, that show is so good. I'm waiting on that one, too. Uh, sports-wise tonight, uh, you got a lot of NBA action tonight. The Lakers and the Nuggets coming up later tonight. Let's see if uh, oh, my Lakers God. can hit a I three. I saw something about they haven't started 0-4 in like a certain amount of years. So. Oh, really? I hadn't yeah. seen that. That's I, I might actually watch just to just to watch the natural disaster that is the LA Lakers and see if they that is fun. tonight. Yeah, that right? is fun. That just, is a lot of fun. Why? I think Stephen A. Smith is LeBron's not going to win another title with the Lakers. Of course he's not. <laughs> That's of course he's not. That team is in shambles, man. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Like they're not going. Like I don't even know if they can make the playing game as bad as they are. I don't know either. I I, I don't know if they can. I mean, look, the, you said it earlier. The the Russell, the Russell Westbrook acquisition, man. In the moment, I, I thought That's just such a bad idea, and it has been. Such a bad idea for that organization. It has set them back. It's wasted LeBron James. What's left of kind of the. I wish he was trade eligible because I would, if I'm James Jones, I'd be like, right, come to Phoenix, man. Call the Lakers up. I'll give you these expiring contracts and I'll give you two or three first round picks. So let's let's win a championship in Phoenix. But he's not trade eligible. He I cannot be traded this year. Do it a New York minute. All right, those are the games that are on tonight, the things that we're going to watch tonight. And of course, we're going to be back with you tomorrow, but we're not done yet. We're still talking about the Suns win against the Warriors 134-105 last night. And something we really haven't spoken about yet to a to a great degree of detail. Yeah. The Suns centers last night. It's crazy. 33 points, 21 rebounds, seven offensive boards, and they were eight of nine from the free throw line. Aiden had 16, 14, and five offensive boards. Jock Landale had 17.7 rebounds. He is quickly turning into a fan favorite. He's yes. quickly turning into a guy that wasn't. That isn't just a guy, you know? Like, when they got those three guys, when the offseason began, we kind of thought, eh, they got the guys. Okay, they got they some guys. guys. They got the guys. They got, Shock Landale isn't just no, a guy. I, I, he's, he's really helping. Yeah, I don't think that the uh, Koji and Lee, I don't think, are real difference makers. I mean, I was very indifferent to the guys that they got. Landale, Lee continues to get really good minutes. I mean, he's, like, getting, he's, good playing, he's I'm getting good minutes. He's getting good minutes. I still don't think he's that good. But Landale, the one thing about Landale, and I even said at the time, he's different. Like, he's a different type player. He's a different character. Cat. And uh, he's been terrific to the point where, man, you don't even miss JaVel McGee. Haven't thought about it. So here's JaVel McGee's three games with Dallas. 14, point, uh, 14 minutes, 13 minutes, and 12 minutes. So between 12 and 14 minutes a game. Against the Suns, three points and four rebounds. Against Memphis, six points and six rebounds. Against New Orleans, eight points and two rebounds. He's averaging 5.7 points, four rebounds, and he's got four blocks in three games. 
I mean, they paid a lot of money over three years for that. I liked JaVel McGee. I thought the Suns would miss his defensive presence, his shot blocking, and all of that stuff. But Landale has come in, and he's been physical, and he's played good defense. And my, he's you know, you look at his numbers compared compared to JaVel McGee, they're not you know they're not really comparable. I mean, Landale's been playing much better, and so who would have thunk that they would be able to make that move? So Landale's averaging nine point eight points and five point eight rebounds. Compared to Javel's five point seven and four rebounds. Yep. The only thing that, that that Landale doesn't do is he. Although he's got three block shots, he got two last night. He got three block shots in four games, and Javel's got four block shots in three games. But Landale had a seventeen point game against Golden State last night. Like he's he had a ten rebound game against the Clippers. He's younger. Yep. And he's 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 been the better player. He plays with a level of activity. The three point shot for him is a weapon, right? So you can yeah, kind of deploy him out there. He's, yeah. But it, I mean, more than it was with Chevelle, and certainly more than right. it is with Chevelle Aiden hasn't at this even point. Chevelle hasn't even taken a three pointer. Landale has taken ten. So Landale's three for ten on his three point shots, but Javel doesn't even take one. So you're right; it spreads the floor. It gives you an option that you didn't have in the past. And he just plays, and, and not that Javel didn't, because he certainly did. But he just plays with an energy that fits really well coming off the bench. I, I mean, last night I, it was I, I noticed it. I'm sure you did too. Down towards uh, probably six minutes to go in the fourth quarter of that game, when it's still kind of a game, Jock Landale was out there. DeAndre Eaton wasn't. You know, for a good stretch of that fourth quarter when Golden State kind of got back in it for a hot minute or two, and they were there after that little 7-0 run. Yeah. Jock Landale was out there for some of those minutes. So he's been... Look, we kind of had a feeling about him during the preseason when we kept seeing him again and again and again. And it's very obvious he's got a style that suits Monty and what he's trying to do. He's got a style that suits what they're trying to do off the bench with him. We've not hardly seen Bismack Biombo at all. I think he's played a handful of minutes against Dallas. We haven't seen him much. Dario, well, you, we asked James about Dario earlier today. Here's what he had to say about Charlotte. Dario's progressing fine. I mean, Dario is, is he, he's been out of basketball for a year and and he's making his way back. I, I think more than anything is that we still have a lot of depth on this team. And sometimes it's just as simple as matchups and, and opportunities and, and and the flow in, in, in the opponent. Um, you know, when it, if it, the opportunity presents itself, uh, extremely confident. Physically, he's ready. Mentally, he's ready. Uh, when his number's called, he'll produce like he always does. And, and until that time comes, he'll continue to focus on improving and we'll continue to focus on how to make sure that he's ready for when, when his number's called. It's, it's probably because he's not ready. More so than anything else, but like there is speculation and all of that comes with it. So I, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to try to get to the bottom of it, but I, I, you got two guys at the center spot that are playing really good minutes and there's no real room for them to play center. You've mentioned they could play some power forward. I get that. You know, you would think that there'd be some minutes for him in the basketball game right now, but there's none. I've been surprised there haven't been any. And one last thing about Damian Lee, and I, I understand what you're saying. I, I suspect Monty's going to play him. 
I suspect Monty's going to put him. He's another younger, high-energy guy. He just seems to have some trust in Damian Lee. But the Dario thing, I'm not baffled by it, but I am intrigued by it. Why is is Dario not getting the minutes? Why is he he physically not ready? Is it the rigors of the NBA? I mean, the only way he's going to work up to it is by playing in these games. There's been no no appetite for that so far. And and, and if you're thinking about maybe even trading him, it's hard to trade him when he's not playing. All right, that's going to do it for us. We're out of here on this Wednesday. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.